Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson. Karlsson, 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 Yeah, exactly. Like, sure, I could be like, hey, Boone Jenner is on the COVID protocol, so Brian, who's going to be the new top-line, top power play center in Columbus? But it's like, what's the point, right? Like, maybe that game against Buffalo on Monday is going to get canceled by the time we release this show. Maybe whoever we talk about is going to go on the COVID protocol. So it just feels like at this point, why go through talking about specific players, even on like hot streaks and cold streaks, just because like so much can change before the episode even gets released. So we figured we're going to do a really quick news section to start the show. Then we're going to do a smorgoli board where we're going to again put every single goalie into tears and this is something we're not going to think about covid right we're just going to be like assuming all the goalies that are in covid protocol will be out of covid protocol in a week or two hopefully hopefully there's still nhl games happening then you're going to want to make decisions about do you add a goalie dropping some other goalie do you make a trade and the whole idea is going to be like if we say that we think a goalie is in a higher tier than another goalie that means that yeah if you have a tier four goalie on your team and we talk about a tier three goalie that's in your free agency that's a swap we're recommending you make and same for a trade and we'll get to that in just a sec of course a couple things first of all keeping carlson very proudly presented by dauberhockey.com they don't care that games are getting canceled they're going to keep churning out the content and they're doing a really great job covering everything going on they've got those daily ramblings all the tools at frozen tools keep getting updated it's just an amazing site so that's dauberhockey.com then yeah brian like i said 
uh, I guess we're going to do some news. Maybe first, Shams, one of our awesome patrons and the keeper of a lot of our awesome Twitter accounts, Game Day News NHL, Game Day Goalies, Game Day Lions, really helpful there. So Shams is the best. He wanted us to discuss like how to look forward to this next fantasy matchup, assuming there's going to be games, assuming Yahoo doesn't cancel it. For most people playing on Yahoo, the next matchup is a two-week matchup. And the way Yahoo works is if you've set your league up to have four ads per week, it's actually four moves per matchup. So that means that you're only going to have four ads over the next two weeks. Add to that the complication of you add a player, the games might get canceled. It's like, what's the strategy here? So I just I, I, I have a couple notes to share of like my thoughts on how to make use of your four moves over the next two weeks. And then, Brian, I guess you could comment after. I, I wrote a few notes here. So first of all, don't grab a player early because of an appealing schedule. Like I, Dave Benton, by the way, released a stream scheme episode today. It's the mid-season ad buy low, sell high extravaganza. It's not like a typical looking at the schedule and for good reason. Like don't look and be like, oh, this guy's got two games next week and Detroit like has all their games canceled. So I definitely want to grab this guy because that whatever guy you're looking at, that person's games may also be canceled. So don't even look at the schedule. Uh, try to save your moves to replace openings on your roster. So if you like right now have a full roster and don't don't have any open spots due to someone moving to IR. Just count yourself lucky and don't run. Don't be like, oh, but my guy's on a cold streak. I want to drop him for someone on a hot streak. Like, don't bother because you're going to need your moves to replace players that go in the COVID protocol. When adding a player, wait as late as possible to add them, right? Don't add them the morning of because they might go on the COVID protocol or their game may get canceled. So if the game's at 7, set an alarm on your phone for like 6.30 and then add the player at that time, assuming that the game is still happening. And then finally, the last piece of advice I'll give is if you're somehow lucky enough to like have a full roster and a player eligible to come out of your IR, don't drop someone to make room for that player to come out of your IR. I, I would highly uh, not recommend that. A very likely someone new will become IR eligible soon, opening up a spot. So better to just leave the player in IR, assuming your league allows you to, right? But like, you know, even if he's healthy, leave him in IR. Maybe you'll miss a game, but probably not more than one because eventually you'll be able to swap him for someone else and not have to drop anyone. So those are my like four little pieces of advice. We, we had patrons, by the way, who were sad because they uh, dropped someone to bring in Nicholas Backstrom and then he like went in the COVID protocol like the next day and I was like man should have just left Backstrom in IR so it's that kind of thing so okay Brian any any other thoughts about Shams's question about how to use your four ads next matchup well mine are less strategic and more about self-care which actually Elon I think you're emerging here is the fantasy hockey robot which we might have known all along but like because you're all this technical stuff i mean this this will set an alarm before the game like that's huge that's what you do for goalie starts right that's what i do for goalie starts often you know especially for teams that wait so long to announce them uh, you kind of have to do that with every player start now so i think that's a really good one and, and actionable but i would actually just uh dial it back just a second and before you think about how to strategically manage this Acknowledge and accept that you can't. Like, you can still do the best you can, yes. But a lot of things that are happening right now in the NHL, in hockey, in the world, on your fantasy roster are out of your control right now. And you have permission to lose or win without having to own, like, to own it, to, to put it on your shoulders and say, oh, if only I had known this crazy, unpredictable thing would have happened. You, you couldn't have known. So my advice is just don't, don't beat yourself up. That's that's the start. Have some fun as much as you can. Like I got wrecked by Brett, my tier two opponent this week in the cupful. It's the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, KKUPFL.com. And uh, 
you know, I didn't really mind. I just like had some moves and I didn't know what to do with them. And my idea was basically to look at my roster and think, okay, I'm not going to use a move to try and compete this week because I have no idea what's going to happen. And I don't think it's going to come down to that move. Thankfully, it didn't. Also, I was already way down in games played. Like this was a, uh, it was looking like a schedule loss and also a roster loss. Brett's roster is really strong. Mine is was already beaten up coming into the week. So um, what I did is I, I held on to my moves and I just tried to imagine what my team looks like beyond this period of uncertainty not to lose sight of that, and just try to use whatever moves I had to just try and find the best player available. Like, forget the other considerations that are usually, are they playing on off nights? Are they playing a lot this week? Are they playing early this week? What's their schedule like in the playoffs? I put that all aside. I'm just like, who's going to be the best player for whenever games are happening? And that's how I tried to use my moves with that long-term look. I wouldn't be working too hard to try and figure things out in the short term. Because again, everything can go sideways. You can try and plan for the short term, and then it's just not going to work out unless you are setting your alarm for two minutes before puck drop and all your decisions rest just on those games that are all starting at the same time at like 7 ET. So that's one piece. Um, yeah, don't don't try and chase good line mates in a change in deployment because there's change and then there's a change on that change and a change on that change. Um, and then I'll also just say, don't feel bad about holding injured players. Like you, your IR spots are overflowing. Uh, you don't need to rush to drop someone because they don't fit in your IR right now. <laughs> right, like, because Brian is going to swoop in and take that player because Brian <laughs> is thinking more long term. So yeah, you yeah. might have other people in your league that have just decided, like you're saying, Brian, like give up on the matchup. Let me try to get the best players. All of a sudden you're thinking, yeah, no one's going to add Mikhail Granlund because he's on the code protocol yes. and then someone might and then you might regret having lost him. Exactly. So like, we're, we're in this period of instability where we don't know what's going to happen. And like, you know, what? maybe this is foolish. This is just the, the way that I feel like I can approach this. Uh, like, you know, we can all do what we can sort of mentally and emotionally handle right now. And my feeling is just, I'm not going to try and predict the near future. I'm going to make some good moves that are long term for my team and just accept that I may or may not win the next couple of weeks, but I'm going to try and put myself in a position to win all the future weeks where I think things will hopefully be a little more stable. But going back to the start, just do what do what works for you. If you're used to dialing in on 100 in fantasy and it's crushing you because you can't control it, dial it back a bit. Or if that's still what you need to do, still do it. Just don't beat yourself up for what happens. Have fun and uh, tweet at us if you need a, a pep talk. We're here for you. Yeah. Okay. A, a 280 character pep talk or whatever, whatever that is. Or, you know, we have a The Vent channel in our Discord server for people to just complain about things. And people have been using it very uh, well recently and for good reason. Okay. So that's uh, some general tips. Great uh, thoughts from you, Brian. I guess, yeah, it depends which way you want to go. Definitely the self-care part is very important. And yeah, also thinking long-term could also be strategic, right? Okay. So then we'll do a quick news section here. There's three news items I just wanted to get your takes on. So first of all, Mark Stone is out today with an upper body injury. This one I don't even want to take from you. I just wanted to mention it because like there might there's a break coming up soon who knows he might be back soon just just to remind people that when mark stone is out evgeny dadanov takes his spot on the line with patcheretti and chandler stevenson so if it turns out that mark stone is out longish term you may want to look at evgeny dadanov i don't even know i don't have a question for you do you want to comment on that at all no i mean dadanov has looked nice in little bits and pieces here and there so like i'm i'm very happy that he 
can get opportunity almost so we can just see what he's going to do with it. Um, but he's been worth a look in, you know, deep-ish leagues when he's had good turns of deployment. And even when he hasn't, he's done some decent production from the third line at times. So uh, I'm just, uh, you know, any way that we can see more of Dodonov in a top line role that's not in Ottawa where like it just wasn't working out. I'm curious just to find out more about the player. Okay, yeah. So that's one piece of advice. But again, Mark Stone may be fine. Hopefully he is. Okay. In Buffalo, Tage Thompson is injured, maybe back even by Monday's game, if there is a Monday game. But regardless, the Sabres do have some reinforcements coming in because Alex Tuck is slated to make his preseason debut tomorrow on Monday, which is kind of exciting, right? He was a big piece of the return in the Jack Eichel trade. And we've seen him have some good seasons in Vegas, right? Like last season, he had 33 points in 55 games. It's a 49 point pace. Like three seasons ago, we had 52 points in 74 games, which is a 58 point pace. That was a year where Vegas had some injuries, and so they had to bring Alex Tuck to actually play on a good line. So we've seen when Tuck is given good deployment, he... He has the skill to flourish. Now he goes to Buffalo, where I'm not sure about his line mates. Uh, in today's practice, Tuck was lining up with Dylan Cousins and a guy named Brett Murray. I'm not even going to ask you uh, who is Brett Murray, but he's a player on the team that's been playing with Ocposo through a lot of Ocposo's hot streak. But anyway, so Tuck's going to maybe not have the best line mates, so Dylan Cousins is pretty good. But he might get like primo deployment in terms of minutes, in terms of power play deployment. I think that, you know, considering what they gave up for him, they must think of him as like a key player on the team. So who knows if he has any rust or whatever, but he's someone that if he's available in my free agency i'd be very interested to take a swing on alex tuck what do you think me too because all of alex tuck's career the line on him has been if only he got a chance to play in the top six we could really see what he's capable of and that happens so rarely in vegas that we still don't know but in vegas the times that he did get up in the, to the top six he was reasonably productive and he went on some really nice runs at five on five from the third line too at times it didn't all add up to great production like you look at his numbers and you might wonder what's so special about this guy um but what's special about this guy is that He's coming to the NHL with upside. He hasn't had a chance to show it yet. He's on a team that really wants him to come through, one, because they have, like, no other players, and two, because they just traded their franchise, the guy who was supposed to be the franchise cornerstone for Alex Tuck. So I think that's, you know, maybe that's a little bit of pressure on Alex Tech's shoulders, and sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't. But I'm definitely curious to see what Tuck can do once he's unleashed in a top six, which is still, like, debatable if that's actually what's going to happen in Buffalo, given the line mates. You mentioned Elon and given the other options that even exist out there, which are few and far between. But... I would also be very interested in Alex Tuck. We've been interested in Jeff Skinner this year, in Tate Thompson, in Rasmus Asplund. We're interested right now in Kyle Lacposo. I don't see why if all those guys could be rosterable at one point or another, that Alex Tuck wouldn't be. Yeah, exactly. Tuck might be the best of all of these players. And by the way, just to decrease the pressure a little bit, he was traded. It wasn't a one-for-one, one, right? They also got uh, Peyton Krebs and a couple picks. So uh, no pressure, Alex Tuck. Do your thing. And uh, we're wishing you well. Hopefully he'll be fully healthy and able to make a meaningful contribution there. Okay, one last injury I'll mention is Jared Spurgeon re-aggravated his lower body injury. And Coach Everson said, it's not good. That was the quote in the tweet. I know, Brian, you retweeted another tweet that said, it's not a short-term injury. Uh, so yeah, it's clearly going to be a little while. And while Spurgeon was out before, it was Jonas Brodin who took over his role on the top power play and he did really well right he had seven points in seven games while Spurgeon was out uh so then I'm sure a lot of people when Spurgeon came back I think we even said on the show yeah probably time to drop Jonas Brodin so Brian now is it time for people to jump back on him on Brodin that is because if Spurgeon is out long term I'd imagine Brodin goes back on his spot on the top power play and that's a pretty sweet spot to be over in Minnesota 
I retweeted snarkily, a, like a very frustrating tweet today. It was from NBC Fantasy Edge. And the tweet was, Jared Spurgeon doesn't have a short-term injury. And like with a link to go further. It's like, that's the headline. Like, tell me what he does have. Like, I don't care what he doesn't have. Either that could mean he's perfectly healthy or that means he has a long-term injury. Uh, It's the second one. Yeah, it is the second one. So so now that that's clarified and we're better at communicating than NBC Fantasy Edges, uh, I'm interested in in Brodeen while he's on the top unit. I remember back when you asked me this in the short term, I was like, yeah, you could because he's a power play quarterback, but he's never really shown a whole lot in that power play quarterback role. However, Jonas Brodeen put up two power play points in the six games or so that he spent... uh, on like seeing the majority of power play one time while Spurgeon was just out too. So that's enough for me to be like, okay, maybe this guy is rosterable. I mean, D, especially at this point of the season, are so super scarce in a lot of leagues. So Brodeen is uh, like a, a hard option to pass up in leagues where, you know, you might have had guys running for uh, Kale Clegg or Sean Dur- Dursey or, you know, someone, anybody who comes up and looks like they could be somebody. Uh, Jonas Brodeen is someone who's going to definitely stay in the league and eat big minutes and now has this power play one quarterback opportunity, which is worth looking at. Yeah, definitely uh, consider Brodine in your deeper leagues because he was good. At one point, he was a guy that we thought might be, uh, you know, a high upside prospect. It hasn't really worked out that way, but now he's getting an opportunity he generally didn't have. All right, so Brian, we've got the whole Schmore goalies board ready to go. So how about before we get into that, let's do our ad break here, and then we'll be able to do ad-free the rest of the way. So we want to take this moment to thank our sponsor for this week's episode, and those are our friends over at TickPick. We've been talking about them, and Ben and Lewis have been talking them, about them on short shifts for a little while. You may be thinking now, now's kind of a weird time to be buying tickets for events with COVID kind of getting around. But you know what? COVID's not going to be around forever. And maybe now's a good time to get ticket prices a little bit cheaper, you know, especially if you buy something far in, in the future. So uh, take a look at TickPick because that's your place to go when you're searching for tickets on the internet, right? That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K. It's the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all tickets for NHL hockey and concerts, NFL, NBA, all that stuff. Okay, like uh, the, unlike some other sites, they've gotten rid of like fees and you know you know you know how frustrating it is right when you go to buy a ticket and you think it's going to be one price then it's like oh by the way it's an extra fifty dollars for servicing fee which is like what, what's servicing fee it's an internet site right it's you're just transferring it's data anyway TickPick doesn't have that that's great they even have a guaranteed best price so if you find a better price somewhere else they're going to not only match it but give you 110 percent of the difference in the purchase price so if you have some tickets you're looking to buy it's also the holidays right you could buy someone a, a present for a ticket to something a little bit down the road go to tickpick.com slash Carlson. And there you go. You'll get your tickets over at TickPick. All right, so we're going to cut to one other ad, and then we're going to be back at you for our Schmore Goliesborg mid-season extravaganza. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. Okay, we are back. Brian, let's get into it. So Schmore Goliesborg, quick overview for people who have never listened to one of our goalie tiering episodes such as these we're not going to give you a ranking of every goalie from one to 30 or whatever the whole idea of coming up with tiers is that we're saying that the goalies in the same tier are pretty interchangeable because let's be real goalies are even hard to predict even from different tiers even this is a hard exercise to do but like you know goalies you you have no idea if they're going to do well or not and like the past doesn't predict the future maybe as well as skaters so to you know do uh, apples and oranges or compare like two goalies is tough 
least we can break them into these tiers to help us make you know big decisions. Like, should I trade this guy for this guy? If his Tuchel is in the same tier, maybe you'll be like, oh, give me a little sweetener to make it worth it because I don't know one way or the other. But if it's a goalie in two separate tiers, we're going to talk about why we think one goalie is like a, a level, a mag- order of magnitude maybe above another goalie. The factors we're going to be looking at here are going to be like basically team quality. Uh, which, you know, kind of translates to wins, goalie quality, which, you know, basically translates to save percentage, and then, like, expected volume, which you could think of as, like, saves, right? And so those are the three things we care about, and so we're going to be looking at it with, like, a cupful scoring in mind, which we have, like, what is it, two points for a win, two points for a shutout, 0.35 for a save, and negative 1.5 for a goals against. Obviously, you could think about your league as we go through this, and maybe you're going to have to tinker our goalie tiers. Like, if your league weighs wins a lot higher, then in this discussion, we'll be talking about why we have a certain goalie in a certain tier, so maybe you'll want to give the wins guys, you know, a bit of a bump and say percentage guys a little bit of a decrease. So that's up to you to decide when you're listening. And yeah, we're not drafting, but you know, if you have an ad drop that decision you want to make or you have a trade you're considering, you'll be able to use our goalie tiers, which by the way are published at keepingcarlson.com slash goalies. And that will, uh, you know, hopefully help you out. And I'm really looking forward, Brian, to talking through all these goalies with you. Me too. So let's do it. Okay. All right. So here we go. Uh, Let's start with tier one. This guy is not currently like the number one ranked goalie in the league, but I think we're still going to have, as usual, uh, one goalie in tier one that we see as the most reliable moving forward. By the way, these tiers are not based on what we've seen so far. This is Brian and I's prediction for who's going to be the most viable in fantasy moving forward for the rest of this season. And there's no goalie more reliable, of course, than Andre Vasilevsky on Tampa. 23 games so far. 16 of them have been wins. He has a 928 save percentage. It's like even better than he was last year. Uh, so yeah, there's a couple other goalies with a higher save percentage. It's a couple goalies tied with him in wins, I believe. Well, actually only one goalie that's tied with him in wins, Jacob Markstrom. But uh, yeah, I, I just couldn't see a reason to put another goalie in a tier with Vasilevsky just because he's the most, he's the one I could like set my watch to I'm not worried about. Definitely. There's one goalie in the league who you can rely on to be the undisputed number one and to be on a team that is going to consistently win games and to put up a really strong save percentage. And that is Andre Vasilevsky. He ticks all three of those boxes like no other goalie in the league can. And that's why he is all alone at the top of the league. By the way, he also like He's making him like he looks good and he plays for Tampa, but he is one of the best performing goalies in the league once again this year in Delta Fenwick save percentage, which I'll, I'll take a moment to explain because we're going deep on goalies. You might have heard this before. But I use Evolving Hockey, uh, evolving-hockey.com to grab a lot of my goalie data. And on Evolving Hockey, they have one calculation on there that is expected Fenwick save percentage. So that's of all unblocked shots that get to the net or that go towards the net. So it counts unblocked shots that miss the net because it gives credit for what a goalie um, might, you know, have angled off, you know, taken a space away from a shooter that forces the shooter to to miss wide. So of all unblocked shot attempts towards the net, um, Evolving Hockey has an expected save percentage on those shots for a goalie. And it's called, that's called the expected Fenwick save percentage. A Fenwick is an unblocked shot attempt. And beyond that, uh, Evolving Hockey has a category called Delta Fenwick save percentage, which basically describes the difference between a goalie's expected Fenwick save percentage and their actual Fenwick save percentage. And so a high Delta Fenwick save percentage and the positives means that a goalie is outplaying their expected uh, their expected numbers based on the difficulty 
of the shots they're facing. So these expected numbers are are calculated using expected goals models uh, based on you know where the shot is coming from for the most part on the ice. It's one of the biggest deter- determinants here. So Andre Vasilevsky is a top five goalie in Delta Fenwick save percentage this season, which means uh, he is right at the front of the pack of all goalies in the NHL who are outperforming what would be expected of an average goalie in their position. And this is like the number one way that we try and figure out, like we we try and control for everything. It's like, okay, uh, this goalie plays for this team. These are the quality of shots he faces. How good is he really? Could another goalie step in and do the same thing? Or is he really doing way better than another goalie would? Uh, the example that we often like to use is Minnesota from past years, where they have done such a great job protecting their goalie for like a decade now. And so a good save percentage in Minnesota, a good raw save percentage, like the ones that you track in your fantasy leagues, doesn't necessarily mean you've got a good goalie. Just means that a goalie might be succeeding because their workload is easy. And uh, of course, Devin Dubnik was both someone who benefited from that and then couldn't even keep up with that easy workload in Minnesota. All this to say, Andre Vasilevsky uh, has one of the top Delta Fenwick save percentages in the league this season. He is not coasting to this 928 save percentage 16 win season he has. Uh, Tampa's making him work hard and he is up to the task as he's shown for the last few years. So way to go, Andre Vasilevsky. You stand alone above all other goalies in Schmore Goldie's board. Right. Okay. So that's tier one. No difference from our start of the year. So, so far we got it right, basically. But now we're going to get to tier two and we're going to have some goalies in here that have changed a lot. Some of them have really jumped high since we've moved them over to tier two here. Uh, so we, we have a pretty big tier because there's a lot of goalies that we decided to come up with here that it's really hard to tell who's going to be better. Like, I'll give you the first couple, Jack Campbell and Jacob Markstrom. Like, you know, like Campbell's been amazing this year, right? He has a 937 save percentage, 15 wins in 23 games. Markstrom has a 933 save percentage in 21 games, 10 wins. Like, they've both been good. If you were to tweet at us and be like, should I trade Jack Campbell for Jacob Markstrom? I'd be like, uh... I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, like, I guess, like, maybe Brian will say that Petr Mrazek is more of a challenger to Jack Campbell for games, but then maybe you also would say that Toronto's a bit of a better team, so you, know, you kind of have to think about what you want, but, you know, we have those two in the same tier, and we've got a bunch of other goalies. Maybe I'll name another three, and we can go through those, because we actually have, how many is it? Eight goalies in this tier, and then we'll, we'll try to explain why we are having troubles differentiating them. So Campbell, uh, Markstrom, throw in UC Saros, who has a 924 save percentage in 24 games. Like, these are goalies who are, like, their team's for sure number one doing amazing, right? So Campbell, Markstrom, Saros, Tristan Jari. How can we not have him here? A 933 save percentage now. And uh, I'll throw in one more name here for this first group to discuss. And that's Thatcher Demko, who probably has the lowest save percentage overall on the season in this tier. Oh, no, actually, Hellebuck does, who we'll get to later. But Demko has a 919. So if you just look at that, like, eh, maybe he doesn't belong here. Maybe he should be in the tier below. But like Demko has a whole other story if you just look recently, like especially if you just look since Bruce Boudreau took over as coach. Demko has been a whole other goalie. He's got like over a 940 save percentage in this run. Like Vancouver hasn't lost a game since Boudreaux took over as coach. So I'm like not completely, but pretty much willing to throw out a lot of the numbers from before Boudreaux took over. Not to say that Demko's going to keep up like this hot streak, but definitely at this point, 
I see him, yeah, in the same tier as Campbell, Jari, Saros, Markstrom. Uh, I'll just say the other three since, the, I don't know. And then, Brian, I guess you'll just talk for a million years. Uh, we also have Frederick Anderson in this tier, 930 save percentage, 16 wins in 21 games. He's been amazing. Shis Jorkin, he's injured right now. I think he's like just came off of IR. So he's having this like phenomenal year that Rangers fans were so excited to get. Finally, the new uh, King Henrik is now King Igor, a 937 save percentage, 13 wins in 18 games. That might be the best win percentage of all these guys. And then uh, Connor Hellebuck. He was the tough one. So maybe we'll save him at the end. But Brian, so Campbell, Demko, Jari, Saros, Markstrom, Anderson, Shistjorkin. Any thoughts on any of these guys and uh, how surprised you are maybe that they have jumped now into this tier? Yeah, let me give a... I'll try and I think the best way to do this might just be to give a quick thought on each of them. And I'll start... I'll go in the order you mentioned them, starting with Jack Campbell, who, yes, is a tier two goalie. And we didn't know... Like, we thought maybe there was tier two upside for Jack Campbell this season. But going into it... And a timeshare with Peter Morazic, who Toronto had just signed to a three-year deal that wasn't particularly cheap, uh, you would think that maybe there was going to be more of a timeshare. And Elon, I know your faith in Peter Morazic is shaken, and I can't blame you. He's been super inconsistent over the course of his career when healthy, and a lot of times he hasn't been healthy. But if you look at his numbers over the years, you get up, you get down, you get up, you get down. There's been more up than down for Peter Morazic, but... There's no real confidence left over from all those downs that he's had. I'm confident that Mrazek is at least an average NHL goalie. But if you're not going to do it on a nightly basis in Toronto, then maybe you don't get as many opportunities as you should. So Jack Campbell has really, when Petr Mrazek was out, taken the job and run with it. My concern is still that maybe Toronto... Um, it depends on how they want to load manage their goalies because they still have Mrazek. He's still there. So it's possible that Campbell, instead of, you know, starting every five of six, which is what he was doing when Mrazek was out, the Leafs are like, okay, Jack, you start two of three or maybe even three of four. And of course, this depends on Mrazek's play. I just don't think, like you mentioned, all these other guys, Demko, Jari, Saros, Markstrom, Anderson, Shostorkin, and Hellebuck, neither of these guys is in any kind of timeshare. Like, their teams don't want them to share the crease. The goalies don't want to share the crease either. And they're all earning their keep. But Jack Campbell kind of stands out to me in this group as the exception. But we have to give him tons of credit for the work he's doing this year. He is the reason why Toronto has won certain nights. So, And, and they've needed this from a goalie for the last couple of years. They had a couple really good years of Freddie Anderson, too. And it's nice that Jack Campbell finally is living up to his potential and maybe getting more like beyond just the 1A role that we were hoping he'd have this year. Yeah, all Kyle here in the chat is saying is Petter's last name Glass because the guy can't stay healthy. So yeah, Brian, you might say, uh, you know, oh, Toronto might want to play Campbell and Morazic maybe more evenly than some of these other teams, but that's also depends on Morazic staying healthy, which again, I don't have faith. Anyways, whatever. I, I honestly don't see much of a difference at this point between Campbell and Morazic versus like, I don't know, Markstrom and Vladar. I know you do. So we'll, we'll see. Like, I could be totally wrong here, but uh, I don't know. My gut says that Campbell's going to be a volume guy, but there's no way to know, of course. Yeah, there's no way to know. And if, if you were asking me to bet, I might go the same. And I did mention Mrazek's health already being a concern. And I think along the same lines as you, Elon, that Jack Campbell has played well, really well. Petr Mrazek hasn't. Um, we also did have Jack Campbell health concerns going into the season. So far, true, thankfully, true. those haven't come to fruition. So that's my that's my one comment, Elon, if I'm allowed it, on Jack Please. Campbell being in Tier 2. Uh, Thatcher Demko, his numbers didn't look good. 
before Bruce Boudreau came around. He had like a 908 save percentage, but all season long, he's been outplaying his expected Fenwick save percentage by a long bit. Uh, by the way, Vasilevsky, Campbell, and Demko are all top three in the league, or sorry, top five in the NHL and Delta Fenwick save percentage. So all these guys are, are outplaying their expected numbers by about the same amount right now. And Demko, for doing that, ends up with the lowest save percentage. Like, Campbell has a 937, Vasilevsky a 928. Demko has this 919 save percentage, even though he has performed as well above expected as Campbell and Vasilevsky. And that just shows you what the challenge is of playing for the, in net for the Vancouver Canucks so far this season. It's really nice that Boudreaux has come in, uh, helped, you know, Vancouver feel some new life, get on a roll. That's great. Like you said, Elon, the wins aren't going to keep coming this way, but uh, Demko's value definitely is higher now than it was before because I think it's less likely Vancouver is going to be the total disaster they were to start the season. One thing to keep in mind is that if Boudreaux, I mean, I, I honestly don't know if he has the personnel to do this, but if Vancouver is able to play a better defensive game that might take some volume, some shot volume away from Demko, but maybe he still picks up like an extra winner three or four through the rest of the season because of Boudreaux and that helps even out any hit you take there. The rest of this group, we've got Tristan Jari, who we mentioned preseason is somebody who is going to be disproportionately judged based on his playoff meltdown last season. That was a fresh image in everyone's minds still as everybody drafted their fantasy teams. And we said there might be some value here. Sure enough, there has been. So way to go, Tristan Jari. And anyone who took a chance on him, UC Saros, no surprise having him here. Jacob Markstrom doing amazing. Uh, let's just shout out all of Calgary for a moment and the incredible work that they're doing as a team. Uh, they look really good in a lot of different ways. But one misconception is that this Calgary team is playing really high-end defensive hockey, the same way that Daryl Sutter's LA Kings teams performed by just shutting down the entire game and then, you know, squeaking out a 2-1 win every night. That's not what Calgary's doing. And Jacob Markstrom is working his tail off. So I just want to give him credit. He is actually top three in the NHL in Delta Fenwick save percentage. He is behind uh, only two players, one Jonathan Quick, and the other uh, is Freddie Anderson. This is the only two guys who are outplaying their expected save percentage numbers more than Jacob Markstrom is. So he deserves a lot of credit for the work he's done in Calgary. I think it's a really great match of goalie and system. The whole team is firing on all cylinders. And so I'd like Jacob Markstrom to be able to continue like a tier two goalie the rest of the season. Uh, Freddie Anderson in Carolina, Igor Shostyorkin in New York. Elon, how many years do you think it is before Igor Shostyorkin is a tier one goalie? I, I, I'm almost tempted to put him there already. He seems so dependable already. He's he's way outplaying his Delta Fenwick save percentage, 937 save percentage, uh, undisputed starter, 13 wins in 18 games. Like, I could make an argument that Shostyorkin belongs in the top tier now because of how dependable he is and he's on a good team. Is it a sure thing that Shostyorkin is a tier one goalie at the start of next season? 
I mean, if it was a sure thing, then I would put him at the top tier right now for the midseason. I think, assuming he continues what he's been doing for the rest of this season, I think that would be enough to convince me to put him in tier one next season. But, you know, it's not such a huge track record that I'm ready to put him up with Vasilevsky just yet. Like, if I had just Jorkin and I thought I could get Vasilevsky for him, I'd probably just take that deal and get the, to me, still safer bet. But you're right, Brian, that it's getting closer and closer with every game that just Jorkin plays and dominates. Yeah, and of all these guys in tier two, he is, maybe he and Markstrom, you know, I, the idea is that they're all equal because we'd all like have them similar trade value. But I think those two are the ones that stand out uh, amongst the others as someone I feel like can depend on and is on a, a team that is stable and in quality. And then, of course, we have uh, Connor Hellebuck rounding out the tier, who is actually doing really well. He's doing such hard work in Winnipeg. We talked about Demko and the hard work he's been doing in Vancouver. Hellebuck's workload has been similarly challenging as a Jet. And we, we talked about this going into the season, but these are the situations in which Hellebuck seems to thrive. He's thriving like a little less than usual. But again, uh, he is one of these top goalies this season, Delta Fenwick save percentage. So don't let this 915 save percentage uh, really distract you from Connor Hellebuck still being a really good goalie and one of the best of the last several years. And uh, Elon, I, I don't think I mentioned this off the top, but I should just clarify all my um, save percentage numbers that I'm using when I'm talking Delta Fenwick save percentage and expected save percentage. Those are all five on five only to isolate like the most common game state that goalies are playing in. Okay, yeah, that's good to know. I know that you always like to say that we shouldn't be giving too much weight to the shorthanded save percentage because sometimes teams just take more penalties than others. And it's like it's a, it's a low sample size part of the game, and sometimes a goalie could just get unlucky with a couple shorthanded goals against, and that could affect their overall numbers. So it's easier just to isolate the even strength to try to tell if they're good or not. But obviously, if a goalie's doing really well shorthanded for a long time, great. But yeah, I definitely agree that makes sense to use even strength for these like numbers, just comparing how players are doing under the hood. Uh, okay, so that's our team tier two so now as we go down to tiers three and four we not only have to justify why we think these goalies belong in the tier they're in but also like why did we not have them in tier two so tier three we've got three more good goalies here that i'm sure people will tell us like there's an argument to be made that they should be in tier two because these are again three goalies that i've come to find as pretty dependable but for some reason i just have them a little bit lower than that group we just said and ancient k100 in the chat here sorry not uh sorokin maybe we'll take some heat for this sorokin's going to be down in tier four so we'll get to him soon but in tier three we've got three guys uh so cam talbot who brian you've talked about plays in the system in minnesota and he's he's doing well he's a 919 save percentage so he's not as high as a lot of these goalies in tier two like the only goalie in tier two with a lower save percentage than talbot is hellebuck and we just had to put hellebuck there because of the the history he's given us of just being so reliable right so hell about oh sorry go ahead brian yeah yeah well you were also saying when we were working at our tiers before we came on is that you have a little bit of worry about whether cam talbot can keep seeing a number one share of the starts where that's not a doubt at all for hellebuck yeah, that's true. And like, again, I, it's not that I don't think Ta- Talbot's gonna like get a starter's share, but I think like the same as your fear for Jack Campbell with Morazic, right? Like maybe Talbot won't get as many starts as he has been getting. Like Kokkinen's come in and done well for some games and he is the future. So yeah, there is something in the back of my mind. It's like obviously shrinking as Talbot keeps playing and keeps playing well and Minnesota's winning. I don't know why they'd mess with something, but yeah, that's like, yeah. So there's a little bit of that, a little bit of the fact that his numbers are a little bit lower, a little bit of the fact that he's like Cam Talbot is 34. I don't know. Like I like him a lot. 
I'm putting him in tier three. I'd rather have those other goalies that we talked about ahead of him. But, you know, no shade on Cam Talbot. Yeah, for sure. Cam Talbot is someone you can rely on. I'm less worried than you are about Kapo Kakinen taking starts. And he's in Minnesota who protect their goalies really well still. Even like they're on their third or fourth coach who's just been like, okay, we have a system. We're just going to tweak it after the coach inevitably gets fired. Um, but Cam Talbot, I can differentiate him from all the tier one and two goalies so far by saying this. And that's that Cam Talbot is the only goalie of the ones we've mentioned so far who is underplaying his expected Fenwick save percentage at five on five. So Cam Talbot, not as good an actual goalie as these other guys. And you mentioned Elon, like his save percentage shows it compared to the rest of this crew too. So that's why he's in tier three. But honestly, I think he could be a tier two goalie. Yeah, like, I, I wouldn't be, like, upset at anyone who trades, like, uh, Talbot for Tristan Jari or whatever takes the Talbot side. It's just, like, I'm going to have a little bit more faith in Jari, Saros, whoever. But, uh, yeah, so t- Tier 3 starts with Cam Talbot. Then the other two are Sergei Bobrovsky and Marc-Andre Fleury, two goalies who, in the past, have been super high up on these lists. And then going into this season, they fell, right? We had Bobrovsky in Tier 7, believe it or not, because we thought that Spencer Knight was going to be a goalie that was going to challenge to maybe be the starter. Not only has Spencer Knight not been the starter, he's hasn't even been like a high volume backup. He's like Spencer Knight's become basically a non-factor and Bobrovsky basically plays all the time. And he's been solid, right? 917 save percentage, 12 wins. If Florida ever gets fully healthy again, I think this is like a cup contender team here in terms of the talent. And Bobrovsky is their volume starter. So I really like him. And then Marc-Andre Fleury, like, uh, I, we had him in tier four. Then at first, it felt like we, like, had him way too high because he started the year badly. But then, you know, after shaking off some rust, Fleury has really settled in to be a solid goalie. Like, yeah, you're not going to get a lot of wins on Chicago, but, like, all the more impressive that he's able to put up these numbers. Like, if you look at overall, he's got 913 save percentage. But again, that was from some brutal starts early on. He let in four, 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 and six goals in his first four games. And since then, he's only had, uh, like, three games, I'm seeing, with four or more goals against. And then just a lot of three, zero, two, one. And yeah, it all rounds out to a 913 save percentage overall. But yeah, Lankinen also has been a lot more disappointing than I thought he would be. I was expecting that Lankinen might be, you know, almost as good as Fleury and, like, challenged to be the starter. But no, it just seems like Fleury's getting all the games and so yeah he's not such a great play for wins but seems like he's really going to be good for saves and solid enough for save percentage so yeah that's our tier three talbot bobrovsky and flurry the worst advice we've given all season elon is back uh i don't know it must have been a, a couple weeks in i hope it was only a couple weeks in but after a month or eight games worth of play for mark andre flurry he was one seven and oh with an 881 save percentage and we said, drop him. Like, we were like, You're, he's done. Lankanen is a capable challenger. And uh, and Chicago looks awful. And they did. And a few things have happened since then. Chicago changed coaches uh, and seems to have found their feet a little bit. And Marc-Andre Fleury specifically has now gone 8-3-1 and one in his last 12 with a 9.33 save percentage. So even if you're looking at Fleury's full season 9.13 save percentage, like that's still not terrible, um, especially for a, th- a tier, like someone, you, someone could get into tier three of our goalie tiers with it. But Considering he has a 9.33 save percentage in his last 12 games have spanned about five, six weeks. Yeah, Marc-Andre Fleury, still a pretty good goalie. Um, he actually, believe it or not, hasn't quite uh, washed out all of the awfulness that he started the season with. Like, if you look at his Delta Fenwick save percentage, he's still playing a, a little below his expected number based on the workload he faces. 
But that really is just residual from all the trouble and challenge that he had adjusting to Chicago, I guess, and that Chicago had adjusting to him. So Marc-Andre Fleury, way to find your feet when we'd all given up on you. And we're sorry to anybody who did go ahead and drop the then 36-year-old, now 37-year-old, um, because... You thought he was totally washed. We sincerely apologize and own that. And we'll try and learn some kind of lesson from it, which isn't so far with Sergei Borowski over in Tier 3 with Marc-Andre Fleury, who himself is having a pretty good season. I mean, this was one of the hottest debates coming into the season. And at one point, like, I, I feel like I remember, Elon, correct me if I'm wrong, but the night before the season started, or two nights then coach of the Florida Panthers, Joel Quenville, said that Spencer Knight was making a push to be the opening night starter. And everyone oh. was like losing it. Because I remember the opposite. I remember we got news from Quenville saying Bobrovsky's going to get the majority of the starts and Spencer Knight is going to be the backup. I thought that was like the big news that I think okay. came out after our Schmorgoli's board episode. Yeah. So maybe it was a week before that. And it was like, it's an open competition and Knight can win. And like, there was a moment where something was said and everyone was like, oh, if I'm reading the tea leaves, Spencer Knight, Spencer Knight, he's going to be the number one goalie in Florida. I don't even have to think about a timeshare. Or the chances of him being the number one goalie are good enough that I'm going to go take a flyer. And uh, yeah, clearly that's not what's happened. And part of that is because of uh, the sterling play of Sergei Bobrovsky so far this season. 12 wins in 19 games, uh, a decent save percentage at 5-on-5, but he is the only of these Tier 3 goalies between Talbot and Fleury. He's the only one that is outplaying his expected numbers, and this comes after a pretty lousy couple years where he was underplaying his expected numbers. But Bobrovsky's had a huge bounce back this season that, again, we didn't really see coming. Like, it's like, okay, how how long were we ready to watch Bobrovsky be bad, like legitimately bad, and then say, well, he's still got a chance, even with this big contract also on his shoulders and a new challenger coming up. And at 33 years old, going into the season, we're like, yeah, maybe, maybe this is about it. But he has really cha- flipped the script on us. And now Sergei Bobrovsky is, is the far and away number one. And part of that, again, is because of his own play. And part of that is because Spencer Knight just has not looked NHL ready. I mean, we'll touch on him a little bit more uh, when we share what tier he's in. But I'll tell you right now. He's actually one of the worst performing goalies, uh, according to his expected save numbers. Uh, Spencer Knight is having a really hard time keeping up with his workload this season. And uh, that's one of the reasons that I don't expect him to take the number one job this year. Or, hey, there's still seven more years after this one on Bobrovsky's contract. So I'm not sure anybody who is rostering Knight in a like a long-term dynasty setting you got to be sweating at least a little bit. You know that changeover is coming eventually, but a subpar year from him and an incredible year from Bobrovsky does not spell great things for you in the near or perhaps even medium future. Yeah, I mean, you could look at it that way, or as Shane is saying here in the chat, now is your chance yeah. to sell high on Bobrovsky, <laughs> buy low on Spencer Knight. Like, Spencer Knight has a huge pedigree. We're talking about a really small sample size of games. So if the, I think if I was in a league with you, Brian, I'd be sending you offers for Spencer Knight right now, based yeah. on what you're saying. Yeah, so that that actually might be the takeaway here, because we are talking about 20 games of Sergei Bobrovsky. Right. And that's compared to, uh, let me just look the past couple years. He's played, yeah, over 80 games where he's just looked flat out bad. And a lot of them came in Florida. 
So it is, but it's so tricky with him because before that he was elite. So it was really uncharacteristic of him to, of Bobrovsky to take that nosedive. And just when we were adjusting to that new reality, he's done the opposite of the nosedive. The nose climb? If anything, I was thinking like uh, it was more like the Spencer Knight stuff you were okay. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now would be a great time to buy low on Spencer Knight. But of course, you know, Bobrovsky, we don't know. Like, it's so strange. We felt like we've known who this guy was for the better part of the last like seven or eight years. And now it's all thrown into question. So great play by Sergei Bobrovsky. Still a small sample size. Still could collapse. And uh, there still could be an opening at some point in the near medium future for Spencer Uh Knight. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Bobrovsky is going into this season, if you had him in a dynasty cap league, you couldn't have traded him, right? You would have had to give up picks or retain salary just to get him off your team. And uh, now is action opportunity where you might be able to trade him and actually get a return. So it might be like, if you have, and again, this is for a specific type of league, right? Where like the salary cap is really coming against you. He's getting paid 10 million a year, which really hurts. So I think if you can, like, like that, like Shane is basically saying like now might be your opportunity to move him before he becomes again, one, once again, impossible to move. So something to consider. You could always tweet at us and probably you'd want to tweet at like Victor Nuno and Jesse from fantasy hockey life who know more about prospects. I'd imagine if you'd be moving Bobrovsky, it would be more for like a prospect. Uh, but anyway, okay. That's tier three so now tier four becomes interesting right we've got goalies here from kind of all walks of life we've got some goalies who really disappointed us and we expect it to be in like tiers two and three and they've fallen and those are robin leonard and darcy kemper and then we've also got some goalies who've really impressed us and have jumped up a lot higher than we expected them to be like say an alex nijelkovic or uh Ilya sorokin and so tier four is just made up of all these guys in the end though i still don't find it very easy to compare like a Lenner to a Sorokin. So that's why we're putting them together. So we'll talk through these guys one at a time. So here's tier four. Okay. First of all, Jordan Binnington, who for real, like I could see a reason to put him in tier five at this point. Like he hasn't been great. I think he played again today and lost again. Yeah. So he just came back from, I think he was on the, yeah, he was on the COVID protocol. And today he played against Winnipeg, led in four goals on 34 shots. That's an 882 save percentage. And yeah, that, that brings his numbers down to, he was at a 912 going into today. So that probably brings him down to like a 910. So it hasn't been great for Jordan Binnington. Plus, you know, this uh, guy, Charlie Lindgren, has been so, so amazing in, in Bennington's absence. Remember one time St. Louis had another goalie? Was it Carter Hutton? Or I don't remember who exactly it was, but they had another goalie that was supposed to be the starter. And then some guy named Jordan Bennington came in and then stole his job and ended up taking the Blues to the Cup Finals and winning the Cup. Uh, so I wonder if Bennington could potentially get Bennington by Charlie Lindgren. Of course, that's like the biggest fear as a Bennington manager at the same time. You, it could just be that, you know, Charlie Lindgren gets sent back down to the minors and Huso becomes the backup in Bennington. So he's like a tough one, Brian. Maybe we could discuss if you are also afraid of him. I think he's the goalie I like least in this tier four, but we have him there. Then we have Robin Leonard, who has been pretty bad this year, but he's still, you know, the starter on a good team. Uh, he got the win today. 4-3 overtime win for Vegas over the Islanders. Leonard stopped 29 of 32. So not amazing, but still, you know, especially for league counts wins, Vegas is a really good team. Then we've got uh, Darcy Kemper here. Another one of these disappointments. 907 overall. Although Kemper has actually been pretty good lately. So on one hand, you could think, okay, maybe now's a good time to buy in on Kemper. Though he's currently in the COVID protocol, of course. But once he's out of it, like his last three games have all been gems. But of course, on the other side, Pavel Francouz is out of the IR. And so maybe he'll challenge for starts. So I think that all washes out to Darcy Kemper being here in Tier 4. 
Uh, we've got Carter Hart, who has been better than he was last year. That's for sure. Maybe not as amazing as maybe I would have hoped that he'd be. Like Philly overall hasn't been that great, though. Actually, lately Philly has been better since the coaching change. And overall, Carter Hart has a 9.18 save percentage, which is nothing to sneeze at. And he's again the volume guy there. Martin Jones isn't going to be stealing his job. Uh, still, some more names here. We've got Ilya Sorokin who is a very interesting guy, right? Because if he was the for sure starter, then we'd maybe even have him higher because he's having a great season, 926 save percentage. But the reason why we have him here in tier four is, I guess, two-pronged. First of all, Varlamov, who hasn't been great, there's always the chance that Varlamov gets his game back over the Christmas break and they go back to 50-50 like the plan was. Also, the Islanders aren't as good as we hoped they'd be. They only have seven wins. Like, Sorokin only has seven wins in his 18 games. So all of that keeps him in Tier 4 for now, though. He's, I think, the highest upside goalie in this tier if he ends up playing as many games over Varlamov as he has so far. And uh, still three more here. Elvis Merzlikens, he has been not so great, but he is a starting goalie, and I know that we were really high on him going into the year. Uh, so he, he lands here. Here's a surprise goalie, Alex Nijelkovic, who we had way down in Tier 8 at the start. We thought he'd be in a timeshare with Thomas Grice, but no. Nijelkovic was getting all the games before he finally went into the COVID protocol. So the uh, Red Wings played Grice yesterday, and actually Grice got the win, so good for him. But yeah, Nijelkovic has been great. He has a 916 save percentage, which for the Red Wings is good. And also the Red Wings are a little bit better than we expected with like Lucas Raymond doing so well. And of course, my favorite defenseman, Moritz Sider, who I bet on to win the Calder, and I'm still hoping that he'll be able to pull that out. And then finally, Finally, ending this tier, we've got John Gibson, who I'm, I guess, like, kind of afraid of, just like Binnington, just because the backup Stolars has been doing really well lately, and now Gibson uh, came back and had a bit of a clunker of a game, but still, Anaheim's been better than expected overall, and Gibson has been, I don't know. We, uh, I'll be curious to get your thoughts on him too so I guess this is the episode where I talk for 5 minutes then Brian talks for 10 minutes but here we go uh, to recap tier 4 Binnington, Leonard, Camper Sorokin, Hart, Merzlikens Nijelkovic and Gibson that was a big tier alright and I'm going to take it from the top of goalies ranked by their Delta Fenwick save percentage so which goalies seem to be actually outperforming or performing the best like playing the best at their position and I'll start with Ilya Sorokin, that way, who is just playing for a team, uh, the New York Islanders, that have not found their way. They've had such a rocky, weird schedule. We've talked about this on the show before, and then, you know, had a series of postponements just when things were supposed to start evening out, and now the whole league is seeing postponements. So I'm not sure exactly what is going to become of this New York Islanders team that just needed, I don't know, some stability, like something to go their way for the start of the season. But right now, the Isles sit at the bottom of the Metropolitan Division with 22 points in 26 games. They have a few games in hand on New Jersey and Philly, who are ahead of them and could uh, catch at least New Jersey if they won them out. But this is not like this is not what we expected to be saying about the Isles with a minus 20 goal differential too, which is better than only New Jersey in that Metropolitan Division is one of the worst in the entire league and Eastern Conference. So how did we get here with the Islanders? Still don't know. That's the big question, right? The question is, how are we going to get out of it? And it's been a really frustrating time because if you have if you have Sorokin on your roster, he's only playing half the games, right? So what are you going to do about it? There's, there's not a whole lot you can do while you wait. And usually if he got in for a start last season, it was like, okay, this is great. I'm going to have a good night and I'll settle while he's on the bench the next time. But that just hasn't happened, which has made rostering Sorokin that much harder this season. That said, he's playing really well and he is making a case and Varlamov is making the same case on the other side 
that maybe it's time for the Isles to ditch this 50-50 thing. And if you have Ilya Sorokin on your roster, that's really what you're hoping for, is you're hoping for the Isles somehow at the quarter mark of the season to become a completely different team than they've been for the first quarter of the season, which I think is possible because, dang, they're still a pretty good team. And then uh, you also would be hoping for um, Varlamov to continue being bad and Sorokin to continue being good. So way to go, Ilya Sorokin, for at least holding up your end of the bargain. And right behind Ilya Sorokin in Delta Fenwick save percentage is Carter Hart. Yeah, Carter Hart, playing in Philadelphia with a new look defense, sort of, right? Because Ristolainen's there, Yandel's there. Uh, but Ryan, one really important piece isn't in Ryan Ellis. And way to go, Carter Hart, for holding uh, holding Philadelphia in some games and really performing well, despite some really tr- difficult circumstances, as Philly has looked lost this year. The same way, like, even when their defense has been okay, and Carter Hart or even Martin Jones are holding up their end of the deal, the offense has gone completely missing. So Carter Hart actually looks to me of this group like a decent buy low candidate because he's playing really well but he's on a team that's seen a lot of bad luck both in injuries and in their offensive fortunes so carter hart is better than he's looked this year and i think that's really exciting for anybody who has him in a dynasty format especially and then uh, next on the list is Alex Nadalkovic, who, like you said, Elon has taken the mantle unexpectedly and unquestionably from Tomasz Grice, who has uh, done his own part to play himself out of a timeshare role. But Nadalkovic showing that last year's Calder run was no flash in the pan. He's been good in the time he's played. And uh, I think he's one of the reasons that Detroit has been as competitive as they have been. Detroit as a team has been better. And that's helped Nadalkovic too. So uh, it's been a, a good match so far for Nadalkovic in Detroit. It's amazing that nobody pushed harder to bring him onto their roster than Iserman had to pay for Alex Nadalkovic. Next on the list is Jordan Binnington, who Elon, you mentioned, like he came out of nowhere back in what was it 2018 19 when yeah and actually i could correct myself it was jake allen who was the other goalie and then there was chad johnson who was supposed to be the backup but then it was yeah bennington who took over right it was jake allen and chad johnson and Ville Husso was supposed to be the third stringer who just got totally leapfrogged by Jordan Binnington. And now, of course, we're seeing Husso try and uh, claw back some of what he lost to Jordan Binnington. Jordan Binnington I had in a similar category as Tristan Jari coming into the season, which is that I think he's better than he gets credit for. Um, you know, he's... Like he likes to get into fights on the ice and has a bit of a reputation for being uh, kind of uh, not great at uh, composing himself or keeping himself composed in, in hot situations. But for what it's worth, Jordan Bennington in the crease, despite just a 9-12 save percentage on the season, is doing quite well in outplaying his expected numbers. Um, but of course, now that he hasn't been able to play lately and Charlie Lindgren has played well and Villejuso has also played well, sort of, in the time that Bennington has been on the shelf or even healthy, Huso was getting a series of starts. So I do start to question exactly how big a workload St. Louis is going to give Bennington. And I do think, like I brought up his temperament, I feel like that might play into things. Like, let's say, I, I don't know how it plays with the rest of the St. Louis Blues room uh, when they see Bennington going off the way he does and whether he's a guy that they like to play with or not. And maybe this is uh, St. Louis having an opportunity to sort of gently check in and see, well, how are we going to do with these other goalies? So of all the goalies in this tier four group, Jordan Bennington is the one who I'm 
a little concerned with that his workload is going to get eaten into. Of course, Darcy Kemper as well, but that's for... I don't know if it's for similar reasons or not. And I'm not sure Dicey Kemper's challenger is really up to it. But sticking to going in order of Delta Fenwick's eight percentage, that brings us to Robin Lehner, who we talked about a lot about on the last show. So I'm not going to go deep into it. I still think he, uh, Vegas can do better for him than they have so far. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why he only has a 905 save percentage, even though Robin Lehner is outplaying his expected numbers. So hopefully Lehner and Vegas uh, do get better. The rest of the season, for Robin Lehner's sake, Vegas, by the way, still leading their division with 40 points and 31 games in the Pacific, but that's uh, tied with Anaheim, who's played one extra game and just barely ahead of Calgary and Edmonton. So it's a it's a pretty competitive division, and uh, I think Vegas should probably be a little further out in front of the pack than they are. So that would help Robin Lehner if Vegas got their act together. So I think that more Goldie's board is almost like a team's board. The, the, the pun doesn't work quite as well. Okay, and then closing out Tier 4, uh, let me mention, so we have Elvis Merz-Lickens, who, Elon, you mentioned he's been like, yeah, now now his number doesn't look good on the whole season, just a 9-11, and he's underplaying his expected numbers. But that's largely on the heels of the last three weeks where Merz-Lickens is uh, just putting up an 874 save percentage with a 2-4-1 record. And boy, does that pale in comparison to how Merzlikens started the season with nine wins in 12 games in a 929 save percentage. So we're, we've seen a, a tale of two seasons from Elvis Merzlikens so far, and I'm not sure, like I have more faith that the good Elvis Merzlikens is going to win out, but I'm not 100% certain. Uh, there's not much you can do if you have him other than hold on and wait. And then we have John Gibson in Anaheim, who at a 9.13 is also underplaying his expected save percentage, which is kind of unfortunate because Gibson had a good start and was playing some of the best hockey we've seen him play in a few years in Anaheim. And finally has a team that can win him some games, even when he's not going to be the one to win them. And now he's not doing his share of uh, of, of work for Anaheim. And he, like Merzlikin, started strong, but in his last eight games has just an 888 save percentage. Compare that to the start of the year where uh, Gibson had a 925 over 15 games. So a very similar trajectory for Gibson and Merzlikin, who are both net underplaying their expected numbers. And uh, like, I, I feel like I still have faith that um, like Merzlikens, the the scales could tilt towards John Gibson, but I would be at least a little worried if I was leaning hard on Merzlikens or Gibson earlier in the year. And then one guy I would be really worried about leaning on is Darcy Kemper, who has been one of the worst regular goalies in the NHL this season. I mean, Colorado made a big bet on him. They brought him in to be their number one. Uh, he's been maybe a little dinged up along the way, but he's also just been flat out not good with that 907 save percentage. And uh, of any goalie in the top, let me just scroll down here. Uh, aside from Philip Grubauer, of any goalie in the top six tiers, Darcy Kemper is putting up the worst numbers compared to his expected save percentage. And with Franco's coming in, it wasn't ideal circumstances for Franco's to play his first game in two years. We know that. I also don't have total faith that Franco's is an NHL starter. So Kemper's got that much going for him, but he's going to need something to break, right? Either in him doing well or Franco's not being up to the job to be able to hold on to this tier four status. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll just say Kemper's had three good games recently. <laughs> His last three games have been good, but now he's on code protocol, so who knows? Maybe he's going to lose that good mojo that he had started to ride over the past week, so that's too bad for him. Yeah, so a lot of up and down here on Tier 4. Maybe there's going to be some arguments that the goalies here in Tier 5 are equal or better than some of, the, some of these guys that we just talked about. I know my good friend John Reed, who I'm a co-manager with, is definitely, if he hasn't already turned off the podcast, he's probably sending me angry tweets or messages about how we should have James Reimer higher, because he's a big Sharks fan and Reimer has been amazing and so we have him here in tier five in his 16 games he has a 936 save percentage so nine wins Sharks have been a lot better than we expected Brian why did we decide to have Reimer here in tier five and not like I to me I kind of feel like Reimer Gibson like Bennington Merzlikens I kind of see them the same right now like Reimer was getting a whole bunch of starts in a row over Aiden Hill before finally he got hurt like everybody i think he's either he's in covid protocol or something but yeah he was doing really well so what, what's your reason why reimer is in tier five and not in tier four it's a great question i think we we might have just had to draw the line somewhere because i'm looking at the rest of tier five quick reimer samsonov sorry to, to spoil your game here elon but samsonov <laughs> holtby and ukopeka lukanen this is a good group And I think the reason that they're below the guys in tier four is we've just seen inconsistent play from like, like Jonathan Quick and James Reimer and Braden Holtby a lot for the last several years. And that's not to say we haven't seen the same of John Gibson, but we have had a little more faith more recently in John Gibson being a really good goalie than Quick, Reimer, and Holtby. But if we are just looking at this quarter of the season and we're throwing out what we thought we knew about all these guys, yeah, they're above uh, at least a couple of those Tier 4 goalies. Right, so a lot of this has to do is we're not only just giving, again, the ranking of goalies by how well they're doing this year. It's like we have to take a little bit more under account when we're trying to project the rest of the year. We want to use like a larger sample size. So yeah, Reimer, though to be fair, he like didn't have the opportunity to really stand out in Carolina. But at the same time, uh, you know, he played the way he played when he was there. And now in San Jose, he's doing really well. So yeah, he is the standout to me here in Tier 5. And then you gave away some of the others, but let's mention them now in more detail. So Jonathan Quick like Reimer, right? Just like totally surprising this year. Like everyone expected Cal Peterson to be the starting goalie in LA. We thought this is the year that the torch was going to get passed completely if it hadn't already happened. But no, Peterson has been bad. And Jonathan Quick, amazing. He's a 930 save percentage now. He His last game wasn't great, unfortunately. So maybe he'll leave a bad taste in the mouth going into the holiday break. But still, you can't argue with a 930 save percentage. Only eight wins in 18 games, but obviously you can't blame him for that. LA is playing today and they are uh, losing to Washington. Or no, it's 2-2 right now. And the goalie is Garrett Sparks. I didn't even know he was on in, in the LA system. He used to be in the Toronto system. But yeah, I guess uh, Peterson is in the COVID protocol and quick played yesterday. So yeah, Garrett Sparks, and then he's uh, doing okay. But he's not going to be mentioned again in just more goalies boards. So yeah, quick, Reimer. Yeah, Braden Holtby, actually another goalie. The exact same, right? I did not expect Braden Holtby to be the starting goalie on Dallas at this point. But he has been, and he's been really good. He's a 922 save percentage. Uh, only five wins in 15 games. Is that right? Poor Holpe. He's been getting uh, not a lot of run support for how well he's been playing. Dallas is a good team. I expect that to go up moving forward in terms of the percentage of wins compared to games played. Uh, so, yeah, Holtby's been good. And uh, I guess there's always the fear that Ettinger could come up and start stealing his job. I know, Brian, you're a huge fan of Ettinger, and so am I. But I think Rick Bonus is kind of like what Joel, Joel Quenville was on Florida, of just saying, like, I'm just going to stick with the veteran here. And obviously, Spencer Knight has not been as good as Ettinger has been. But I just get the sense that Rick Bonus just wants to play Holtby as a star 
starter and Jura as the backup. Then we have Ilya Samsonov here in Tier 5, which, of course, looked better until recently, where he hasn't been great. Like, actually, the season's been weird, right? Because Vanacek started as the starting goalie in Washington. It looked like Samsonov was just a backup, and then Samsonov took over after a while, and then he was getting all the games. But now, actually, just today, Vitek Vanacek has gotten his second game in a row for the Caps for the first time in a long time. And he's, uh, I don't know, not doing that great. 15 saves and 17 shots in the third versus LA. So in the end, it does seem like Samsonov has taken over as a starter again. So we have him here in Tier 5. Obviously, a little bit of a shaky pick, but could be good because Washington's a good team. He's got 11 wins in the 16 games he's played. And then rounding it out, we've got a bit of a dark horse here. But we I, I potentially want to put him higher. But who even knows if he's going to be in the NHL once everyone's healthy in Buffalo? But how can you not have Uka Pekka Lukanen up here? He's only played five games. But he's got a 939 save percentage, two wins in those games. And we've talked about Alex Tuck is coming back. So who knows if that helps Buffalo get even better. So at this point, it's a bit of a swing. But if he's still in free agency, I think you've got to grab Uko Pekka Lukanen. And maybe you try to trade for him if you have a goalie in the lower tier and you think that you can swing him because there's a bit of an upside here for a fun prospect on a team that's maybe not as bad as we expected them to be. Yeah, there definitely is. And we, we talked about him. Actually, we, we've been talking about Uko Pekalukunin for the last few weeks, and the guys on short shifts have as well, saying how uh, like my line has been, hey, Buffalo might be a good place for a goalie to play. They are not as big a mess as you might have thought they would be. And Lukanen coming in and outplaying his his expected save percentage, not by a ton, um, but by a little bit, which is really promising for him. Of course, super small sample size. So we're not going to buy into anything we see whole hog. I think that's the thing. But a 939 save percentage in the time he's seen is a really great way for things to go for Ugo Pekka Lukanen right off the bat. And while... Buffalo might have a bunch of injured or unavailable goalies. Neither one necessarily has earned the number one job. So Lukanen, if Buffalo is willing to keep giving him NHL action, could very well be the best goalie available to the Sabres for the rest of the season, which does put him in this rare position of like, we're just past the quarter mark here of the NHL season. It's pretty rare that you find a starter emerging just like that. So if goalies are valuable in your league and you haven't seen to getting Lukanen on your roster, if he's still available, you might want to pause the pod and do that. Then I'll go over to Braden Holtby, who you're like, how is Braden Holtby uh, only like, how do these win numbers make sense? Only five wins in 15 games. And uh, I went back to the start of the Dallas season. I don't know if you remember, Elon, but we were talking a lot about why is nobody scoring? Oh, yeah. And that was before Rupe Hintz came back, right? And oh, and or not even Rupe Hintz. He was doing badly. Jason, was Jason Robertson. Robertson was yeah. Out. Yeah. That top line has been great until now. Like Hintz is on the code protocol or whatever. But right. yeah, for that stretch where all three were healthy, gangbusters. Can you believe, Brian, Joe Pavelski was dropped into free agency in tier one Sweden. I don't know who's kicking themselves more. Myself for not having bid like all my fab on him as I should have or the person who dropped him who I won't name call but uh, yeah that was a bad drop clearly because yeah Pavelski was slow but we were you know projecting on the show that once Robertson comes back things could turn around and and clearly they have but yes you're talking about Holtby I mean yeah that explains why they haven't won those games right and that's just how dark things were looking in Dallas I was like oh like Pavelski's washed nothing's working no one's scoring I don't need to carry this guy and it shows like a Holtby in his first eight starts had just two wins yet hit a 918 save percentage and Holtby 65% of the time this season has been putting up a quality start, which is 
unheard of for Brady and Holtby, not just in the last few years, but basically since uh, 1617, Brady and Holtby has not been this reliable a goalie start. So we'll see if this is something that holds up. I have my doubts, but I also think that maybe he and Dallas are a good fit for one another. And this could just work. We do have Jake Ettinger nipping at Holtby's heels. I think he's nipping a little closer to Holtby's heels than you are, Elon, going by uh, the conversations you and I have had off the air. But I like I can't argue with the fact that Holtby has been playing well. Uh, he's been playing like about what you'd expect for somebody with his workload. And as long as he keeps doing that, maybe the door doesn't quite open to uh, Jake Edinger as much as I might want it to. Speaking of regrettable drops, Elon, I had Jonathan Quick earlier in the season. And I was feeling so good about it, but I just felt like I couldn't hold the guy because he was trading starts with Cal Peterson. And uh, I already had the Isles tandem, which I also don't want to talk about. But I dropped Jonathan Quick because I'm just like, hey, I can't have a guy who only plays once every every two games. And, you know, sometimes it works out really well and sometimes it's just kind of meh. But Jonathan Quick has now taken uh, a pretty solid grip on the starters role in LA, which is not something we were expecting to say going into the season. And the most incredible and surprising Jonathan Quick fact is that he leads all NHL goalies in Delta Fenwick save percentage and like by a lot. By, he's he's pretty much lapping uh, the next highest ranking goalie in Delta Fenwick save percentage, who is Freddie Anderson. So Jonathan Quick, not just playing well, but playing well above what would be expected of any goalie in LA, let alone well above what would be expected of Jonathan Quick from what we've seen over the last few years from him. Uh, so way to go, Jonathan Quick. And yes, he is a must roster kind of guy, especially with him taking starts away from Cal Peterson, who is losing them uh, about as much as Jonathan Quick is winning them. And I'm not saying that to take away anything from Jonathan Quick. And then uh, we've got James Reimer, who's just having a bang up season. I've sort of already touched on him as somebody who we haven't been able to count on a lot in the past. But over the last few years, he has been about an average NHL goalie. He's just been really inconsistent. And so it's nice to see him get on a run here in San Jose. I'm curious to see how far it can go. And it's funny, right? Because now we're like, oh, well, James Reimer's doing well. Maybe San Jose's had a, a defense that can support a goalie all along, which we never totally ruled out right um but it's come nice. on you definitely did <laughs> no i didn't rule out san jose's defense i ruled out martin jones i thought you said they're a bad team i remember i was like what if it turns out that martin jones was the reason why they were bad mm. You're like no come on yeah. san jose's bad we've had that combo we have and i don't think san jose is great but hey maybe they can actually be good enough for a goalie to do as well as James Reimer is doing, although he's playing out of his mind right now with his 936 save percentage, 75% quality start percentage, which is a mark he's ne- like James Reimer has never been a particularly consistent goalie. Over the course of his career, he's just a 52% quality starter. And the best he's ever done is, uh, I mean, in small samples, he's been a 60% quality starter, but not often. So it's a great time for James Reimer to be doing well. And my big question for him is, can he keep it up? Which is similar to Braden Holtby and similar to Jonathan Quicks. That's why they're all lumped together here in Tier 5. And then Samsonov, I'll just take back to the Lukanen discussion, which is, hey, we have an up-and-coming goalie who seemed to be boxed out of the role early on or couldn't do anything to win it despite getting a lot of opportunities. Samsonov has this huge pedigree that we're 
pretty excited about not that long ago. And now he's actually trying to fulfill it. Of course, Vitek Vanacek is getting a couple starts now. And now it's like, oh, well, do we really want Ilya Samsonov after he had a couple bad starts? And we said this on the show that this was very possible. I won't say likely, but it was very possible that Samsonov wasn't going to be able to put in great starts night in, night out for the rest of the season. He's never shown uh, a great level of consistency yet. He's been more consistent this year, but that door will still open occasionally, I think, to Vitek Vanacek. And hopefully, Elon, you must, you must have an update on how Vanacek is doing tonight. <laughs> still 2-2. So okay. I'll give you another update maybe after the next tier <laughs> right. uh, when that game is done. They're, they're in the third. So uh, then we have two goalies here that we like didn't want to put in tier five, but didn't want to put in tier six. It's like, it all depends on health, right? So here's two goalies that I think belong in tier five or maybe higher, but it's hard to say until they come back. So that's Mike Smith on Edmonton, who only played three games, was great in those games, but he's been hurt. Uh, like he's apparently skating. Apparently he'll be back soon. Who knows if he ends up pulling a Ben Bishop and like plays one game, does badly and then retires. Like you never know with these like 39 year old goalies. Like if Mike Smith is back at full health and he's able to do even close to what he did last year, then he belongs like maybe tier three, right? Maybe tier two, like who knows? But uh, for now, we'll just put him here in 5.5 and then carry price. Same deal, like worst team though, of course, but we'll see. Like obviously price last time we saw him, he was dominating the NHL playoffs. uh, But now he's, I don't know, apparently also skating and apparently going to be back soon. Though, like, Jake Allen hasn't been terrible. We'll get to Allen in just a sec. So maybe I could see it being like a 50-50 thing. Like, I think for the Oilers, they're a team that's going for the cup right now, right? And they've been struggling a little lately. Like, if Mike Smith is better, I think they're going to play him, like, a lot because the backup options aren't as good. I think for Montreal, there's no point wearing out Carey Price. They're not going to make the playoffs anyways, so why not just go 50-50? So that's why I I think I'd have Carey Price lower. But anyways, we have those guys here. It's just like 5.5, as we're calling them for now. Yeah, because we don't know what to make of them and what they'll look like when they come back with Price. It's the workload. or You have more concerns about Price's workload than I do. I think he'll be able to play as many games as he's ready to play. And I'm hoping by the time he comes back that he feels ready and able and healthy enough to play in the same kind of workload he once had. Yeah, you can't expect a ton from Carey Price, but you can hope for volume and like average numbers to go with them. So that would be a good return for Carey Price. And then for Mike Smith, uh, Carey Price, we don't know what his volume is going to be like. Mike Smith, we don't know how his play is going to be. The start of the season... Like so far, well, we've barely seen Mike Smith these this year. And uh, while he's had a couple good years, which were very unlikely at this stage of his career, he's beaten the odds so far. Now that he's coming back from an injury, it's really hard to predict how his, like, he's almost 40, right? He's pushing 40. So how is he going to react? How's his body going to be able to react if he does have to be any different in the style he plays and feels at least the slightest bit of discomfort. So Elon, I'm with you that there is a lot less competition in Edmonton. There's like no competition in Edmonton for starts, but Mike Smith still has to be good. And I'm hoping he can be. Yeah. Okay. By the way, uh, Vanacek just let in another goal. So all the points now for Samsonov to take over. <laughs> that was a mistake to play Vanacek for another game, especially since I added him in Kakupful for this stream. And now it looks like I'm going to lose my matchup to uh, Marcus. So not a good season for your boy, Brian. I gotta tell you, I'm going to fall to five and five now, but no worries. Let's keep on with the show. So what do we got next here? Tier six. This is a tier of some goalies who are starters, but have been like super disappointing. And then a bunch of tandem guys who, 
who it's hard to tell who's going to be the starter. So this is another bit of a mishmash. First, I'll start with the starters, okay? Mackenzie Blackwood is here. We couldn't drop him any lower. Really disappointing season so far. New Jersey's been disappointing. They've had a lot of injuries. A lot of teams have, right? But Blackwood overall, just a 902 save percentage. Five wins in 16 games. So uh, not great. Another starter who's actually been good lately, I didn't even expect him to be a starter, is Anton Forsberg. But he's kind of taken over, at least for now, as a starter on Ottawa. We thought that it would be Gustafsson. Well, I guess technically we thought it would be Matt Murray. But who really thought that, that he'd be able to stay healthy so i thought it was gonna be gustafson we talked about this on a recent show but forsberg's been good like ottawa's beaten some really tough competition recently and it's uh, you know at least partially thanks to anton forsberg so he's here also in this tier six of a starter that we don't have too much faith in but you got to give him some credit uh then we've got some tandem guys here so Olmark and swayman in boston who've both been good right like Olmark is a 922 save percentage i remember at the start people were being like oh no what a bust the bruins made a big mistake signing him but he actually has a higher save percentage than jeremy swayman who's at 917 on the season of course a big risk for both of these guys that Tuka Rask might come back and who knows what that's going to mean maybe we should have had Rask in this tier 5.5 we actually don't even have Rask here in any tier I just put him down at the bottom just because he's not technically even signed yet but word is he might sign with the Bruins as soon as he's healthy and so who knows so anyway so that you have Allmark and Swayman here is like when they play they're probably good but who knows how much they'll play uh, another tandem is Grubauer and Driedger in Seattle it looked like it should be just Grubauer as a starter recently but he just continues to be not great and Driedger actually after a couple bad starts to start the year He's actually been looking okay. I'm just bringing him up now recently. Like overall, Drieger has eight games and an 896 save percentage. So that's not good. Recently, because remember, he was down with an injury for a while. He came back, had a really good game against the Sharks, stopping 33 of 34. Then he played against Anaheim for 20 minutes and did not do so well. Then actually, yeah, against Edmonton, he led in four goals on 40 shots, which, you know, hard to say if that's good or not. Edmonton's a tough team to defend against sometimes. Uh, so I don't know. I think that at this point, Grubauer be struggling and Drieger looking okay makes me think that it's a tandem and really hard to predict who to go for so that's why we just, we just put them both together here in tier six and then then we have i guess a couple other goalies left over that i just also didn't want to drop further though maybe there's you know they're not starters they're not even in tandems but we have semin varlamov just because there is you know that great career history recently maybe he can fight his way back at some point though he's been really bad 900 save percentage so definitely you could make an argument just drop drop him even lower and then also jake allen on montreal which again brian i guess you maybe disagree a little bit but in the end we agreed to put him here he's been like not great like overall if you look at the 903 save percentage in 23 games but dude's played 23 games like montreal's been leaning on him i wonder if he'd have better numbers if he got to rest a little more uh he's among the top in saves in the league just because of all the games he plays so depending on your stats Allen has been amazing of course price is coming back which drops him down and it's just now just depends on what Montreal is going to do and it's really hard to say the one thing I can say for Jake Allen is he's the only goalie in this group in this tier six group I'll name them again Blackwood Allmark Swayman Allen Grubauer Driedger Varlamov and Anton Forsberg Allen is the only one who's outplaying his expected save percentage which is fantastic so way to go Jake Allen it's crazy that that amounts to only a 903 save percentage. And that uh, kind of signifies the struggle that is being a goalie in Montreal this season, who've also been their own special kind of disaster. There have been a lot of disasters in the NHL this year. We had Dallas, we had the Islanders, we had Vancouver. And uh, yeah, there's Jake Allen trying to find his way uh, behind a really, really rough team, both offensively and defensively in Montreal. So kudos to Jake Allen for doing that. 
Elon, you're right. Maybe he has earned a couple extra starts than he otherwise would have seen once Carey Price is back. Although I imagine rest might be first on the docket for Jake Allen once that opportunity comes. Because the Habs, you know, ironically, they've had Dustin Tokarski at one point, who has done well elsewhere. They had Charlie Lindgren at one point, who has done well elsewhere. And uh, right now they have no one that can do well in Montreal, aside from Jake Allen. So he'll continue to shoulder the load for as long as it takes for Carey Price to return. Uh, looking at the rest of this group, I mean, nobody really jumps out. The Seattle tandem situation between Grubauer and Driedger is interesting just because we thought they were both really good gets and both have been really bad. Uh, Grubauer, uh, I should say, of all regular goalies in the league, is underplaying his expected Fenwick save percentage by the most. And it's not even close. Like I mentioned, Spencer Knight, uh, it's way worse than Spencer Knight, what Philip Grubauer has done so far this season. And how frustrating is that, that Seattle like went out, seemed to break their philosophy for Philip Grubauer, sign him to this big mega contract when they had Chris Trudger and Joey Decord ready to go. Both guys who may or may not you know, be able to shoulder a number one load, but why not find out? And then Grubauer comes in and uh, fails to do anything near shouldering a number one workload. I don't know, like for fantasy purposes, how to manage this. I added Driedger in a couple leagues just to see if he could play well while Grubauer doesn't. Then maybe Driedger sneaks uh, into the 1A position, but Seattle seems really committed to Grubauer. And I'm not even sure if I would buy low on Grubauer for that reason. Like, I want to. Like, I feel like Grubauer is better than we've seen. But I also have seen him be so bad this year. I'm not sure. Elon, do you see Philip Grubauer as a buy low candidate? No. He was dropped in our Keeper League and no one even added him. Yeah. So I think that tells you everything you need to know. Like, the thing is, Drieger also has shown us to be really good. So to me, at this point... Seems like a coin flip to me at this point. Yeah. Like, wh- whichever of them is able to play better is going to take the job at this point. I think it would be silly to just keep trying to go back to Grubauer. And I'll say the same for Allmark and Swayman. Very similar situation, except they're not letting down their team quite as much as Grubauer and Drieger have. But Allmark and Swayman are similarly underplaying their expected Fenwick save percentage. So neither one has really jumped out as being like a good goalie this year. I have a, I have a hunch that Swayman's the better goalie, but it also seems like Boston has more invested in making Allmark the guy. And keep in mind, Tuka Rask coming back will knock one of these guys out if that is what ends up happening. Blackwood in New Jersey hasn't been great, even though uh, Jonathan Bernier has been injured for, and on the shelf for a bunch while Blackwood's been healthy. Uh, he hasn't been able to take advantage of it. It was just a 902 save percentage. Not the season we were hoping for from Mackenzie Blackwood. Semyon Varlamov, I- I'm done with him. Like, I'm so, I, he's cost me multiple weeks across several leagues. I'm so frustrated. I was so excited on draft day to have nabbed him in a few leagues. I have Varlamov. On the Islanders, this is rock solid. This is what happens when I try and go for a rock solid goalie. The rug has been pulled out from under me with Semyon Varlamov. And then Anton Forsberg is the one I'm I'm curious about. And I'm not curious about if Anton Forsberg is good because I don't think he is. I'm just curious to see how long he can keep this up. So it's a really fun ride for anybody who did add him. He's got a lot of volume. He's getting a lot of starts. And frankly, this is what I thought we'd see from Philip Gustafsson in a sustainable way. Uh, when the door became open for somebody to play a bunch of games in Ottawa, but I did not see it coming that it would be Anton Forsberg. So way to go, Anton Forsberg. Let's see how long he can keep it up. 
Okay, and with that, we're done with tier six. And I think also done with the goalies that you like probably want to have rostered in your league. I guess maybe there'll be one more tier here, tier seven of goalies that I'm interested in to potentially roster. So let's do this tier. It's like backups that can still potentially steal the starting job and make an impact. So we've mentioned these guys a lot already when we were talking about the starters. So there's five goalies here. And those are, first of all, Pavel Francouz in Colorado, who's played one game now, didn't go so well, but also he wasn't even scheduled to play until the last minute when Kemper went on the COVID protocol and Colorado like voted to still play the game. Makar was also out. So yeah, you don't want to blame Francois on that. He was doing really well in the minors in his like, conditioning stint before he came up. So obviously he has a chance here with how Kemper's kind of struggled. Then we have Jake Ettinger, who I don't know if we have to talk about anymore, but obviously Brian's a big fan of him and like, why not? He's been great. 932 save percentage in the nine games he's played, six wins, but just for some reason, Bonus has been playing Holtby, but definitely Ettinger would be a very tempting free agent for me if he's available in my leagues, especially as a spot start. Then you just hope that he does well enough to get the next start uh, then we have Vitek Vanacek who we just discussed who should fall now because he's let me down in Cupful. Uh, the game's not over yet actually so maybe Washington could come back but obviously Vanacek's three goals against against LA is not ideal my opponent also had Matt Roy who has two assists in this game how are you letting Matt Roy pass it to people and score on you Vitek Vanacek not nice okay so he's here so Francois Edinger Vanacek they've got Anthony Stolarz who I definitely did not expect to be here but I mean come on He's been phenomenal, and, like, especially with John Gibson struggling as of late. And, like, this isn't the first time that John Gibson has started the year strong and then sort of fallen off, but usually the backup is, like, just as bad, I guess, or not great. I guess it's been Ryan Miller in past years. But right now, it's looking like Stolarz is, like, good, right? He has a 932 save percentage in his 10 games. He keeps on uh, having good starts whenever he plays. At some point, maybe Anaheim goes closer to 50-50. Who knows? He's someone that I'd be interested in grabbing again for a spot start and see if he eventually gets more. And then finally, of course, we have to consider Charlie Lindgren here, who may be a third stringer on St. Louis, who ends up going to the minors once everyone is healthy, once Husso is back. But on the other hand, there's always that chance that Lindgren could be the new Bennington and take over because he's been the best goalie so far for St. Louis. It's only five games, but he's won all five of them. 958 save percentage. They put Bennington in today and he lost. Why not go back to Lindgren for the next game, if there is a next game, anytime in the next couple of weeks? Uh, so yeah, that's this Tier 7. Five goalies who all are very intriguing as potential threats to their starters. Francois, Ettinger, Vanacek, Stolarz, and Lindgren. We have Francois, who we've talked about as being to have unknown capability of actually challenging for the role in Colorado. And we've seen like Hunter Miska and Jonas Johansson. Like, it's not a lock to play goalie for the Avs and be good. And Darcy Kemper, actually, is another example. So we don't want Francois just because he's starting for the Avalanche. It might be good for wins, but it might not be good for save percentage. Ettinger, yeah, I've shared my optimism that I think he has a shot at challenging and of this Tier 7, Francois, Ettinger, Vanacek, Stollers, and Lindgren. I think Ettinger has the most upward mobility of this group. I think he could probably jump into Tier 6 and even have a shot at Tier 5 with like an Ilyas Amsonov if he gets on enough of a roll. Of course, first he'll have to play the majority games uh, versus Holtby in a small stretch, and that is hard to picture, which is why he's in Tier 7 for now. Um, Vitek Vanacek, I think he'll play 50% of the game's max. Anthony Stollers is interesting in Anaheim because Anaheim has watched John Gibson struggle for a while, and while he is their franchise goalie and he was their team for a handful of years, you know, I'm still cu- I'm, I'm really interested to know. It's unfortunate we don't have better coverage out of Anaheim because no one's really seemed to ask or answer the question, what happened 
to John Gibson and why can't we rely on him? Why can't Anaheim rely on him anymore? Meanwhile, you have Anthony Stollers, who we mentioned on the show, has bounced around the league for years and has never gotten a solid look. But when he has gotten a game here and there, he's looked pretty good. So I'm curious to see exactly what Stollers can manage. Like he's one guy in this group, along with Ettinger, that I think has number one upside in the NHL. I think Ettinger is more likely to be number one goalie and more likely to reach that upside. But Stollers, still kind of unknown exactly how good this guy can be. And it's a little confusing why no team wants to give him much more of a chance. But maybe that chance will be here in Anaheim. And then Lindgren. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough for him to convince the Blues to keep him up there, especially when everybody's healthy and ready to go. But it's been fun to watch. And uh, I was watching some analysis, I think, from Mike McKenna on Twitter, like the former AHL journeyman goalie turned commentator who was like, you know, I know Charlie Lindgren. He looks like he's having so much fun. And that's one of the biggest things about you know, playing well in the NHL is you got to let yourself have fun. So way to go, Charlie Lindgren. See how long you can keep this up. Because from what we saw of Lindgren in Montreal, uh, we didn't see even NHL backup quality there. So we'll see if he can do any more for the Blues than he did for the Habs. Yeah, but okay, let's be fair for a second. Like, that was the same thing that uh, Victor was saying when he was on the show for Short Shifts with Ben. And it's like, yeah, you could look at what Lindgren did on the Habs. That was a super small sample size, to be fair. Like, he, yeah. it's not like he got into a bunch of games. And since then, it's not like Lindgren has just, like, played those games for the Habs and then just went and rested until it was time to get this opportunity with the Blues. Like, he's been in the AHL. And, like, this year he has a 925 save percentage in 10 games with the Springfield Thunderbirds. Uh, before that, he wasn't good, actually, with the Laval Rockets. Maybe it's just like this Montreal organization just wasn't a good fit for Lindgren and the St. Louis organization is better. Anyway, yeah, we'll see. It's like obviously a bit of a dice roll. It would be really fun to see Lindgren take over in St. Louis uh, and Stolars. I don't know. All these guys in Tier 7 are kind of interesting. But yeah, I know that you say Ettinger has the best chance and I don't see why not. I think long term, especially in a dynasty league, Ettinger's the one you'd want of this group. But uh, Lindgren, if he's available and you're in like a deep dynasty league, you know, where goalies are rare, then maybe it's time to grab him because maybe if not for St. Louis, maybe on some other team, like maybe he's found his game a little later in his career. Who knows? Nice, nice story so far. For sure. And I, I don't want to rule it out or make it sound like, hey, in this really small sample size, Lindgren wasn't good. In this new really small sample size, he's been really good. I like your point, Elon, that there, there are lots of things that have happened or could have happened between before and now. And we've seen goalies do nothing for, you know, uh, from age 18 to 27 and then suddenly show up and be ready to be a goalie in the NHL or a number one goalie in the NHL. So I'm, I'm open to it, Elon. I think it would be fun. I just don't know exactly where he fits on the St. Louis depth chart if they are going to try and give him a longer look than we would have anticipated because of how well he's played. Yeah, I think it would be Huso going back to the minors. And then it would be him out playing Bennington and taking over, just like Bennington did to Jake Allen all those years ago. Just because it happened once doesn't mean it'll happen again. Uh, okay, so that's it for goalies that I think I have any interest in rostering like long-term and holding, uh, even in deep league. So we've got two tiers here, tier 8 and tier 9. Uh, I don't know. I'll just tell you all the goalies I have here in tier eight, and you don't have to comment on all of them, just the ones that interest you. <laughs> but okay, so we've got here Scott Wedgwood, who I guess technically is Wedgwood a starter in Arizona. Like he's got 903 save percentage, uh, four wins in 16 games. I guess if you need volume, like you could go Wedgwood or, or Vemelka. I don't know. It seems like they'll go 50 50, or maybe Wedgwood has the edge, but like honestly, who cares? Uh, you've got Koskinen and Skinner in Edmonton, who like would be a little bit more interesting, except Mike Smith is coming back. Obviously, if Mike Smith turns out to, you know, stay injured, then 
and maybe you have to move these guys up. Neither has been amazing. Actually, Stuart Skinner, you know, 916 save percentage in his 10 games. He hasn't been terrible, uh, but also Koskinen is going to eat a lot of starts. So it's hard to give either of them too much value at this point. Uh, Brossois on Vegas has been a good backup, and Leonard has struggled, but I don't see Brossois as like a, a Stolarz or, a, you know, Vanacek or Lindgren, like someone who has the potential to actually overtake their starter if things break right. Uh, then you have Cal Peterson. We've talked about how surprising it was that Quick has been better than Peterson. But yeah, Peterson, 893 save percentage in 11 games. This is the goalie that LA signed, by the way. It's like, what is it, a three-year, $5 million per year deal? Like, they've got some money locked in on Peterson, so hopefully they can figure out a way to get him back on track because he's supposed to be their new starter as, like, they have all these great prospects. Like, LA is supposed to be a contender in a couple of years, or at least, like, a playoff contender, right? And uh, so hopefully Peterson gets back, but doesn't look like it's going to happen this year. They're going to lean on Jonathan Quick. Who else do we have here? Aiden Hill, disappointment in San Jose. Uh, Martin Jones has been actually, like, you know, better than he was on <laughs> the Sharks, for whatever that's worth. He's a 907 save percentage in his 11 games. Uh, Spencer Knight, we've discussed. Big disappointment so far. Auntie Ranta has been, like, he stayed healthy. That's actually pretty impressive. Uh, he hasn't been amazing, though. 907 save percentage, four wins in eight games. Morazic, we've discussed. Uh, then we have Tomasz Greis, who, like, last year ended the year as one of the top goalies in the league. This year came in total flub. He's at an 893 save percentage. He did have a good game uh, recently on Saturday in the win over New Jersey, though a lot of goalies seem to be able to do well against New Jersey. Uh, before that, Greis just couldn't put a good game together. So he's still way down here in Tier 8. And then Jonathan Bernier, who, again, last year also had a really great run when he was on Detroit, and he's been bad this year, and now he's injured. Uh, 902 save percentage in 10 games. But who knows, maybe one day Bernier can step in because actually Blackwood has struggled himself, like we've discussed. So maybe of all these guys in Tier 8, Bernier is the one who has the best chance, but also just with New Jersey not looking as good as we hoped and Bernier not looking as good as we hoped. Like, I can't really justify putting him any higher than this. I agree. I Like, I would have liked to see Jonathan Bernier just because we haven't seen anything from him for a while. He started the season really strong when Blackwood was injured and there was opportunity. And then when Blackwood came back, things became really uneven in Bernier's play. And then he got injured. And so we haven't seen a whole lot of Bernier lately. But I'd like to think he, uh, you know, he he could turn out to be what we wanted Grice to be when you were talking about Grice. Like, I could see Bernier landing himself up in the, in the sixth tier with Mackenzie Blackwood. That would be, uh, like, not surprising to me. I think the only other goalie that we haven't really touched on here, uh, like in any of the previous tiers that I want to chat about in the eighth tier is Cal Peterson. And really, I don't have anything to say other than what you said, Elon, which is just that, like, wow, so surprising that LA seemed finally ready to invest in this guy. And last year, we were screaming for him to get more time, and he was barely getting it, even though he was playing so well. And this year, they give him more opportunity, and he's having a really tough time. The only thing I can see is that, believe it or not, Cal Peterson, with an 893 save percentage, still outplaying his expected number at 5-on-5. I mentioned earlier in the show that Jonathan Quick is outplaying his own expected save percentage uh, by a greater extent than any goalie in the league is outplaying their expected save percentage. So LA is not doing a great job of protecting either one of these guys. And maybe that's a situation where Jonathan Quick thrives 
and Cal Peterson is still trying to work his way through because Cal Peterson has been the better goalie for the last few years compared to Jonathan Quick, albeit in fewer games played than Jonathan Quick. But this has been a pretty surprising turn of events that LA is like finally looking like a pretty solid and competitive team. And it's with Jonathan Quick increase and not Cal Peterson. We did not see that one coming. Yeah. And today it was, like I said, Garrett Sparks in the crease and Sparks was great. In fact, I streamed in Vanacek. Like I said, if I would have streamed in Sparks, who was also available, of course, I would have won my matchup. Uh, But I lost Sparks. uh, 33 saves on 35 shots and the 3-2 win over Washington. So good for him. We'll see if... uh, I guess he's not going to be able to hold that job because LA can't send Peterson down anymore. But uh, yeah, not great when Garrett Sparks is putting up games that you haven't been able to all season. Uh, So now let's go to Tier 9, which is our last tier, which is just a bunch of goalies. Some may be good, but no chance to be a starter ever mostly bad so i'll just like rip through the names here so we've got gustafsson in ottawa who you know maybe there's some upside i don't know it's still ottawa georgiev on the rangers who had a decent run when he took over but now she's jerking his back and we talk about how great he he is uh vladar in calgary he's actually been really good right five wins in seven games 928 save percentage maybe there's an argument to put him higher it's just like markstrom is so clearly the starter like vladar is not someone you roster right he's someone you stream in for a spot start but no one you consider like trading for or adding outside of just a single game uh Huso on st louis uh he's also been good but now he's potentially two goalies back depending Depending on what happens when he is healthy with Lindgren in the picture. Uh, Corpusalo on Columbus has been bad. Lankinen, we discussed, really bad on Chicago. Kokkinen, not great. He's had a couple good starts, but Talbot's definitely getting the Lions share, at least for now. DeSmith in Pittsburgh. What do they need DeSmith for when they have Tristan Jari? Just destroying game in, game out. Elliot on Tampa, obviously, no question. Uh, Halak on Vancouver. Clearly, we've discussed Demko is capable and ready to just play all the games. So uh, Halak is there just to be a stopgap. And I guess if there's ever an injury, Vancouver will be happy they signed him. But maybe not, because it's not like he's been that great. 905 save percentage overall. Eric Comrie's actually been decent enough in Winnipeg. 914 save percentage, but he's clearly a backup to Hellebuck. Jonas Johansson is now on Florida. And they sent Spencer Knight down to the minors. So I don't even know if this is a thing where it's just like for now over the break so that Knight can get some games in. Or maybe just Florida's seen what they want to out of night now they want to just give him since they're like you know going for a cup brian isn't this like probably the case like florida's going for the cup they're gonna lean on bobrovsky but they still want knight to get some experience so why not send him to the minors he's still super young and actually let him be a starting goalie and challenge for his own championship in the ahl so all that said it might just be that jonas johansson is there to play once every 10 games for the panthers and then they could always bring spencer knight up if they do want to just give bobrovsky a break for a game you know sometimes teams do that where they like bring up the backup so that they could bench the starter and then afterwards send the backup back down to the minors. So we might be seeing Jonas Johansson. I'll bet you he doesn't play more than a game or two. Uh, Three more here. Riddick is the backup on Nashville. Hasn't been that great. Aaron Dell and Malcolm Subban. I mean, technically, if Uko Pekalukunen gets sent down at some point, they could be like fighting for the starter's job in Buffalo, but they've both been terrible like you know Subban's only played a couple games but uh I don't have any faith in him so there you go that's tier nine is there any goalie of interest you here or is this just the wasteland that I you know made it out to be I will pick out two from this group the first is Philip Gustafsson I know that's probably predictable I said for you know talking about Anton Forsberg I don't think he holds up I think Philip Gustafsson will be ready one day to be an NHL starter and I think he's going to get at least one more chance this season to find out if that 
time will be now for Philip Gustafsson to be a number one goalie and basically do a lot of what Forsberg is doing in the crease for Ottawa, but in a sustainable way. And then the other name in tier nine that I'm keeping an eye on is who we've mentioned him several times already, Ville Husso with a 927 save percentage and well outplaying his expected number. Husso has been doing really well this season and I don't see why St. Louis uh, would just send him down to the minors to keep giving Lindgren a chance when Husso has been by and large like inconsistent, but still pretty good. So uh, I'll put I'll put his name out there. And also just want to shout out Yarrow Halak, who yes, he's only won once in the seven games he's appeared in and has just a 905 save percentage, but is playing behind that same very difficult team to play behind that Thatcher Demko is and doing an admirable job of it at his age. So way to go Yarrow Halak. Good job, Halak. Well, there was that time when he was looking like a really like exciting free agent, and then Boston ended up re-signing him, and then he sort of fell off, and now, yeah, he's definitely at the tail end of his career. Kind of like a Ryan Miller, you know, in his later years in Anaheim. Like a solid enough backup if they needed him, but not someone we ever expect to get a long run ever again. But good career overall, obviously, for Halak. Uh, so, Brian, that takes us to the end. I guess, like we said, Tuka Rask put him where you want like obviously if he goes to boston and takes over as the starter you you'd shoot him right up the list but as of now we don't he's not even signed so i didn't want to give him too too much time but obviously some people should have on their radars there are some goalies that we had tiered in the original schmore goalies board that at this point we don't even have in a tier so maybe as a fun exercise to the listeners you could try to guess some of them uh so you know pause the pod think about it here are the names, if you're curious. We had, uh, obviously, Hudobin, who's been now sent to the minors, so we don't even have him in a tier. He was not high. We had him in tiers. He was the highest tiered goalie that we ranked, and it's obviously not worked out well for him. We'll see if he ever gets traded. Uh, I was surprised that no one grabbed him on waivers. I guess it was just that contract. Uh, Matt Murray, obviously, he's in the minors as well. Craig Anderson, who started actually pretty... Craig Anderson has a 921 save percentage in the six games he played, but uh, he's been injured ever since. Who knows if we'll even see him again. Uh, then who else did we have? We had Carter Hutton. He was supposed to be the starter on Arizona I think he might be the worst goalie in the like with an NHL contract right now like he just did really terrible in his three games I think like it's almost like lucky for him that he got injured so he didn't have to just get waived yeah I'd say it's between Carter Hutton and Malcolm Subban but it's probably Carter Hutton oh no Sam Montembeau I mean you're setting the bar pretty low for being the absolute worst goalie Aaron Dell's also in the conversation but yes uh, for all the goalies who have had enough chances to prove themselves to be an NHLer Carter Hutton seems to be the worst maybe i should have said like the worst goalie with a contract of over like a million dollars oh no Hutton yeah. only signed for 750 to be fair okay so okay but he keeps but he keeps getting repeated chances in the nhl which is kind of different from the other sort of slate of names i mentioned so i'm with you if we use that parameter carter hutton definitely is a goalie <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh then we had joseph kajanash as who we thought would be the backup on arizona that obviously didn't work, work out and uh, anyways that's it that's that's Schmore Goalies Board. We've talked about a whole lot of goalies. Very interested to hear what people think of our tiers. Again, you can check out what we came up with over at keepingcarlson.com slash goalies. Brian, it's been a real blast talking goals with you, talking fantasy with you. Uh, much more of a blast than actually playing fantasy this past week, which has been brutal. Like, obviously, anyone could just start whining about, like, oh, if only, uh, you know, I got my Miko Rantanen game in my couple matchup, I'd be the winner. You know, like, obviously, we've all had some rough weeks. And like you said at the start, Brian, you got to try not to beat yourself up too much. Uh 
you know, I, I expected my team to be doing better. And obviously we have excuses to be made. And I think we're going to have this break. Hopefully this COVID situation gets dealt with. And at the end of the day, if the season turns out to be a bit of a wonky season, we could still all have a good time. Like the patrons, you know, and us, we're always still having fun in the Discord, talking about the games going on, you know, lamenting the situation, maybe, you know, guiltily talking about how we're benefiting from this situation when our opponent has a player who goes into the COVID protocol at the worst possible time. So everyone, you know, take care of yourselves. Try not to, to sweat it. But at the same time, like Brian said, start planning for the future, because if the season doesn't get canceled outright, uh, at some point we're going to get back to it, and maybe you'll be able to make some smart moves and sneak your way into the playoffs, even if you're struggling right now, and then surprise in your playoff matchups. Uh, And it starts with having good goalies, which is the most impossible thing to predict, but hopefully we've given you something that you can use as a guide to try to give yourself the best chance to win your goalie category. So, okay, Brian, anything else you wanted to say before we uh, go home for the night? I don't think so. Although maybe, you know, after you just mentioned, uh, like all you said about things being so up in the air and crazy and just trying to like, you know, look long term in the short term, uh, just consider if you haven't already taking Mason Geertsen's advice for Tyler Bertuzzi and get vaccinated. <laughs> sure. All right. So with that, thanks so much for listening. I believe that Ben and Lewis are going to throw out one more short shifts next week or maybe two. Anyways, it doesn't matter. We don't need to tell you the schedule because if you're smart, you're just subscribed to the Keeping Carlson podcast feed and then you get all the episodes that come at you. I think we have a bonus episode actually scheduled with the Fantasy Hockey Life guys right around New Year's. So we've got some cool stuff coming your way, even if NHL is going to shut down for a little bit. I mean, we know it's going to shut down during the holidays because that's in the schedule and there's a few games still slated for next week. Uh, uh, as of now Sunday night at 9.57 we'll see if those games actually get played but uh, yeah stay subscribed to Keeping Carlson to get all of our content we really hope that you've been enjoying our shows if you have any feedback for us you know it's the middle of the season why don't you tweet us at Keeping Carlson give us some feedback we always love to hear what you have to say if you like the show and you want to give us some help you could give us a five star review over on Apple Podcasts that really helps us out and consider joining our Keeping Carlson patron community we just have a lot of fun talking about the games giving each other advice some other cool bots in there to keep us all like notified of anything important going on. It's a lot of fun. So if you're interested in becoming a patron, keeping Carlson chatting with Brian and I and all of the cool patrons, Ben and Lewis and Dave, of course, as well, check out keepingcarlson.com slash patron for how to get in on all the fun. But with that, Brian, I am ready to cue the outro music and let's go ahead and read us the credits. All right, this episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons, including our reliable and super supporters, Flash, Christopher, Andrea, Tom, Derek, David, Rob, and Patty. Thank you for your continued support. And thanks to all the patrons' continued support as we navigate whatever it is that we're navigating right now. Thank you to our couple coordinator, Kevin A. Bear, and our team of co-commissions for keeping things in the KKUPFL.com running smoothly. And thanks to Shams Benamore for keeping the amazing stream of fantasy news go- rolling on at Game Day Lines, at Game Day News NHL, and at Game Day Goalies. Logo art by BrandonWeave.com. Outro music by Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Tools, Dauber Prospects, Natural Stat Trick, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, The Athletic, HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, NBC Sports Edge, and Yahoo! great job as always brian thanks so much again to the people who joined us for the live show uh really fun chat here going on 
Uh, so, like I said, we've got some short shifts coming. We're going to be taking next Sunday off. I don't think I mentioned that. Though, Brian, we do still have a big show to record next week, and that is our monthly patron cast coming in just two days. We're going to be doing a patron cast with the patrons where we answer all the patrons' questions. We already have a lot of fun questions there. If you're a patron, not too late to throw your question in the Discord. If you're not a patron, not too late to become one. And then come hang out for the patron cast and ask us your question. We always have a rule that we're going to answer every single question that comes to us at us. And I don't believe we've ever broken that rule before. So I'm really looking forward to that in a couple of days. But until then, Brian, what should people do over this holiday season? Please make sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone. 